If someone's in the water and they're all tangled up in the weeds, what kind of salvation do they need? Someone to come along and read out of a manual to them how they can help themselves. You've got to push the weeds aside, get your head above water, take deep breaths, go back down, all the steps that need to be taken to save yourself. That is self-salvation. I don't think that any one of us here would be able to write the things that Peter wrote in this first chapter if we believed in self-salvation. The other is part salvation. Welcome again to Let the Bible Speak. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. Our message is on 1 Peter, this practical epistle, this word to Christians in their trials and in their troubles. You'll notice that the epistle firstly lays down the foundation for the gospel, the foundation for our faith. Peter says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which, according to his abundant mercy, hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last day. Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor, and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. The Apostle Peter, as the other apostles, had a tremendous conviction about the return of the Lord Jesus. And this is the hope of the Christian. In the midst of suffering, trials, and troubles in this world, our hope is not in this life nor in this world, but in that day when Christ shall come. And through our trials and tears here on earth, we have the absolute confidence that there is a new day, a new world, a new beginning for the people of God when the Lord appears. And so we'll be looking at that today. I trust you'll stay tuned as we come to our message. Now, remember that uh, I'm emphasizing to study the Scriptures personally with your own Bible, take your own time, and I want to recommend my Bible study template. And this can be used for any passage of the Bible. And if you go to our website, you'll find the uh, PDF template on um, resources, Bible studies, my Bible study template. And you can use that for your own personal Bible study. It doesn't cost anything. It's not a book. It's not something that's going to take you days to read through but you can use it in those precious moments that you read the Bible for yourself. It'll enable you to focus on the Word of God as you go through that Bible template. So may the Lord bless you and encourage you. Stay tuned with us as we come now to our item of praise before our message on 1 Peter. Blessed be my Savior, be my Savior. 
we're going to focus on verses 9 through 12. The theme in these verses is salvation. Salvation. If someone was to ask, what will the preacher speak about? And you were to say, salvation. Oh, well, there would almost be a shrug of the shoulders. Dr. J.I. Packer, Anglican that he is, when he was a student at Oxford University, did what many students do. They went out on the river punting in flat bottom boats pushed by poles. And he tells of an experience that he said he will never forget how he fell out of the boat into the water and got all tangled up in the weeds. He used that experience to draw an illustration of three brands of salvation. One is self-help, the one is partial help, and the other is total help. One, of course, reflects Pelagianism. The second, partial help, Arminianism. And the third, we would call Calvinism or biblical salvation. If someone's in the water and they're all tangled up in the weeds, what kind of salvation do they need? Someone to come along and read out of a manual to them how they can help themselves. You've got to push the weeds aside, get your head above water, take deep breaths, go back down, all the steps that need to be taken to save yourself. That is self-salvation. I don't think that any one of us here would be able to write the things that Peter wrote in this first chapter if we believed in self-salvation. The other is part salvation. Someone who comes along and maybe cuts a few of the weeds away and then says, now the rest is up to you. You've got to swim to shore. You've got to climb the bank. You've got to make sure that you don't uh, be exhausted. And the rest is really up to you. Again, you couldn't write the things that Peter wrote if you believed in a partial help salvation. The third kind is someone who dives right in and who clears away all the weeds, drags that drowning victim out of the water onto the bank, pushes him up, gives CPR, and makes sure that he's breathing properly, get all the water out of his lungs, and saves his life completely. When Peter is writing these words, he uses in verse 9, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. What kind of salvation is it? The goal, the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. Is it a plan to help yourself? Is it a partial plan where God does some and you do the rest? Or is it a salvation that's A to Z that brings the sinner out of drowning in his sin into glory? Now, we've already looked at the inheritance that's reserved, and this is a salvation that in every case brings the soul to glory into heaven. That's the salvation of which Peter is writing here. Now, we see this word again back in verse 5, who are kept by the power of God through faith. 
And so uh, this is linked to the inheritance and the glory and the keeping power of God. And so the gospel according to Peter in this epistle is a completed salvation. It is synonymous with arrival in heaven. This salvation is from A to Z. And I want us tonight to build upon uh, this truth in this meeting. The gospel truly is salvation to the uttermost. The uttermost. It brings us into glory. Let that sink in. There can be no half measure, no halfway in, halfway out of the saving work of the Lord Jesus. And tonight we're going to look at verses 9 through 12 of this full, uttermost salvation, examining the issues that Peter sets out here, and rejoice together that this is indeed a full salvation. Firstly, verse 9. Salvation is God's soul-saving power through faith, receiving the end of your faith. Now, the word end there is like a goal, receiving the goal of your faith. When you came as a sinner to Jesus, what were you asking for? When you put your trust and confidence in the Son of God, what were you seeking? What was in your mind? What was the goal? What was the purpose of it? full salvation to be in heaven. You trembled about your sin. You trembled about living for this world and the fruits of your own reward and your inability to save yourself. And therefore, you realized your need of a Savior and the goal. What is it? The end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. Now, I can't add to the word salvation, but as we look at it in context, as we look at it in its significance, as Peter used it, I ask you this question, did this salvation mean heaven or not? The goal, the end, undoubtedly is heaven. Who was it that said that if you don't set a goal, you'll miss every time? Well, I assure you, God set a goal when he sent his son to provide salvation, and the goal, God hits it every time. He never misses. And everyone who is elect, that's setting the goal. Elect to what? To eternal life, to glory. God set the goal when he set his love upon your soul. Even in eternity before the world, he had his eyes set upon you, marked for glory. And the end, the purpose, is the salvation of your soul. Now, the other word in verse 9 is receiving. Receiving the end or receiving the goal of your salvation. Now, that's the most interesting word to us tonight because we want to, we want to assure ourselves that this salvation is full to the uttermost. What does it mean? Would you allow me to give you three other places in the New Testament where this word receiving is found? or the translation of it is found. And by comparing four verses, the one here in 1 Peter 1 verse 9, with three others, we're going to get a sense of what this word receiving is. Now, we talk about receiving the Lord as our Savior. 
We talk about taking him personally as our Redeemer and Lord, receiving him. What happens when you personally receive the Lord as your Savior, receiving the end of your faith, the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls? Let's look at these other three times. Matthew 25, 27. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 25, and verse 27. Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchangers, and then at my coming I should have received mine own with usury. Now here is this lazy person who didn't use his talent, buried it in the ground, and now that it's payback time, there's no addition. It's just the same money. And here you have this word received. I should have received. I should have been rewarded and have had it returned to me. So he gave out this money, this talent on loan. And then he came back to receive it, to lay hold of it and take it back. Let that fix your mind. The other reference is 2 Corinthians 5.10. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body. To receive the things done in his body. And that's reward. That is an exact account of the deeds and a, an appropriate reward. Everything is, it's a sure payment, a sure payment. Then the third reference is Ephesians 6 and the verse 8. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 8, knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord whether he be bond or free. And you'll notice in these texts there's the sense of reward, of an exact payment. The man who loaned his talent, his money, he expected to receive that plus the usury. The person who on the judgment day will receive according to the deeds of his body. It's exact payment. And here... In this book of Ephesians, there is this reward. And so when Peter says, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your soul, it's what is yours. It's what belongs to you. It's what is exactly to your account. And when you put that into the context of 1 Peter, uh, talking here about, you know, this inheritance that is undefiled and fadeth not away, when you talk about this, this uh, glorious power of God kept through faith unto salvation, and then the receiving, the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. Now I asked, do you think that Christ is able to keep you and present you in glory? That you will receive the end of your faith, the goal of your faith, that you will receive it. 
That's an important question tonight. As Christians, as worshipers of the Lord Jesus, are we really going to receive what the Lord has promised? Peter makes it very, very clear. And it's not self-help. It's not self-help. And it's not partial help. It is the Lord taking us out of our sin, and he brings us, and he completes the whole operation of presenting us right into glory. And the Lord, of course, is able to do that. He gives unto his sheep eternal life. And over and over, he uses his power, kept by the power of God. So that's the first thing we see here in verse 9 in these words, that this is the saving power of the Lord. And so this is salvation. We see in verse 10 that salvation is a Bible-based revelation. Peter's gospel, by the way, is not of his own making. He doesn't have his own version or his own particular brand of gospel. There is only one salvation. It's not Peter's salvation. It's the Lord's saving work. And he says, of which salvation? The prophets. Uh, that means those Old Testament preachers and writers. What did they do? Uh, of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently. Peter's gospel was a Bible-based gospel. Uh, others wrote about it, these prophets in the Old Testament. If you go to the end of 1 Peter, uh, you will find that he refers to uh, the writings of Paul the Apostle. Second, sorry, 2 Peter. 2 Peter uh, chapter 3 and verse 15. And account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation. You know, Peter doesn't get away from this subject. Even as our beloved brother Paul also, according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you. So Paul's letters are crisscrossing with, with, with Peter's. And what Peter is writing is in absolute perfect agreement with the writings of Paul the Apostle. Now he goes on to say, also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things. Paul wrote of the same things, and Peter writes of the same things. Now let's get back to 1 Peter 1 and verse 10, and to these prophets. There's three things about these prophets that we learn here. Number one, they inquired. Number two, they were inspired. And thirdly, they prophesied. That's these prophets. They inquired. They searched, we're told. Searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ which was in them did signify. They inquired. And it was the ministry, it was the very life's work of these Old Testament prophets to search into the coming Savior, the Redeemer, the Messiah. And they considered it from every possible angle. But notice that they did not resort to human learning. We're told that they were inspired because in verse 11, searching what or what manner of time, the Spirit of Christ which was in them. I hope you're not a dispensationalist tonight. I hope you don't believe that the Bible is in two halves. 
the Old Testament and the New, and that there's different gospels in different sections of the Bible. There's only one salvation, the same salvation of which the prophets wrote. They searched about it. They were inspired to preach and write about it. The Spirit of Christ was in them. Peter did not believe in any dichotomy of the Old Testament versus the New Testament. It was the same gospel. Now, the light that they had was, was minimal compared to the New Testament after Christ had come and died. Peter was able to tell much more, a fuller picture, but it was the same Christ, the same salvation. And the Old Testament saints are redeemed the same way as you and I are redeemed. And so they inquired, they were inspired, and sometime maybe we'll get to Second Peter 1, we'll look at those words where Peter said that these holy men of God were moved by the Holy Ghost to write. And so that's a great proof of the inspiration of the Old Testament. Thank you again for joining with us on Let the Bible Speak. This is Ian Golliher, and as you may know, this week I'm emphasizing the great need to personally study the Word of God, to receive something secondhand. You miss so much. And of course, some people go to church, listen to other preachers, some people read books, and uh, they gain knowledge from that. But there is nothing like having firsthand information from the Bible. And I've been recommending this Bible template that you take this one page, follow through the questions, and focus on those things that are stated in the particular passage that you're reading. Now, you could start anywhere in the Bible. It could be Genesis 1. It could be Psalms. It could be Matthew's Gospel. It could be the Epistles or Revelation. And whatever passage you choose to study, this template will be of help to you. Now, Profiting from the Word is a book by A.W. Pink, and he points out that an individual is spiritually profited when the Word leads to confession of sin. The Scriptures are profitable for reproof, and an honest soul will acknowledge his faults. Of the carnal it is said, For every one that loveth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. God be merciful to me, a sinner, is the cry of a renewed heart. And every time we are quickened by the word, there is a fresh revealing to us, and a fresh owning by us of our transgressions before God. He that covereth his sin shall not prosper, but who con so confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. That's Proverbs 28.13. There can be no spiritual prosperity or fruitfulness while we conceal within our breasts our guilty secrets, only as they are freely owned before God, and that in detail shall we enjoy His mercy. 
There is no real peace for the conscience and no rest for the heart while we bury the burden of unconfessed sin. Relief comes when it is fully unbosomed to God. Mark well the experience of David. When I kept silence, my bones waxed old through my roaring all the day long. For day and night thy hand was heavy upon me. My moisture is turned into the drought of summer. Is this figurative but forceful language unintelligible unto you? Or does your own spiritual history explain it? There is many a verse of Scripture with which no commentary save that of personal experience can satisfactorily interpret. Blessed indeed is the immediate sequel here. I acknowledged my sin unto thee, and mine iniquity have I not hid. I said I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. Psalm 32, verse 5. This small book, Profiting from the Word, is available through Let the Bible Speak for a small donation. We'll be happy to send this to you. Just give us a call or go through our website, email, or write to us. We'll be delighted to send this to you. And coming up now are the announcements. You can get our website, phone number, address, and so on. So thank you for being a part of our program today. It's always an encouragement to know that you're listening in. So please let us know. Give us a call, give us an email, or just uh, let us know that you're listening in to our daily program. And I trust that you'll even consider supporting this broadcast. We need your help as we seek to air the message of the gospel day by day here on this station. Now, stay tuned for these following announcements. This broadcast comes to you today from the Free Presbyterian Church in Cloverdale, located at 187 Avenue, Surrey, at the corner of 188th Street and 58th Avenue. On our website you can find gospel articles, links to our sermons and our gospel booklet called A New Beginning. There you can find a link to our Sunday services that are broadcast online. For all this information, please go to our website at cloverdealfpc.ca. You're warmly invited to attend any of our Sunday services at 10.30am and 6pm to meet with us as we worship God and to hear the preaching of His precious Word. We also meet for Bible study and prayer at 7.30pm every Wednesday evening. Our Sunday School for Children and Adult Bible Class meet every Lord's Day from September to June at 9.30am. You can contact us using our office number which is 604-576-1091. Alternatively, you can email me at pastor.cloverdealfpc at gmail.com. Again, for all this information, please go to our website at cloverdealfpc.ca. Our burden is that you will hear and understand the gospel that will lead you to know the Lord Jesus Christ and his great salvation. And this is Pastor Andrew Fitton. Thank you for listening today and be sure to listen Monday to Friday at 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. and on Sundays at 9.30 a.m. on this station for full or church service as we worship the Lord through the ministry 
of his word.